Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, along with Michael from Sweden. And uh, we had a little bit of glitch on uh, my end here. The broadcaster did not want to open up, and so I had to reboot. And it looks like we're working again. I have to open up all my other programs to uh, stay in touch with everybody. And uh, But uh, we're on the air with Michael, and Michael has a report about uh, a friend of ours, uh, Fritjof, Fritjof person in Sweden, who uh, is being prosecuted by the Swedish authorities for anti-Semitic hate speech. (laughs) Michael, you want to tell people what's going on with that? Yeah, so this was pretty recently after, I think he did a show also with you, Eli, about this Geet. Right. Right. It was the day after. Yes. that they punched, uh, that they came and there was an armed uniform police came to him and notified him about this. And so then right. after this, he had to go. He said that the police station had an, what is it, an interview with them or I don't know what to say. Talk yeah, to yeah. A cop came to his house and then, uh, uh, you know, eventually they charged him with this lawsuit. But yeah, uh, it is the case that uh, he and I did a video. I haven't publicized the video yet, but. Uh, Geet, uh, Geet technology is a means by which uh, you can extract energy from water. Okay. And the inventor, I think Paul Pantone, if I remember his correct uh, name, he's the guy who invented it, and he was persecuted by the authorities and not, not allowed to make his invention public, right? Other people have tried to duplicate the invention, and Fritjof and one of his uh, friends in Sweden have uh, produced a prototype. And so, folks, you get free energy for the rest of your life. All you need is water, okay? And, of course, you know, the petroleum industry and uh, big pharma, right? They use all kinds of petroleum products. They're the last ones to want to see free energy. They, they want to sell it to you. And so... Uh, that's one of the reasons why, but I think uh, the lawsuit, uh, I haven't opened up the page yet, but the lawsuit involves uh, his posting items uh, making fun of Jews, correct? Yeah, that is one of them. And also that he is uh, also alluding to where the NU New World New World Order is coming from. Right. Like everything that basically is say is basically true that they want to take over the world and, and they are by mass murdering now by by using the COVID injection or the other all other poisons that is used outside. Yes. And uh, so so this is again they are and I believe when you when you're reading this uh, I feel that um, this is a way to to protect the Rothschild conspiracy from even be talked about in now in the Swedish communities that you you will be persecuted by it. Right, right. Yeah, so it's pretty much becoming global, the uh, uh, lashback or backlash against the globalists is uh, proceeding well on the internet. It really is. Uh, So, I mean, these uh, alternative uh, media people such as us and Fritjof and, oh, there's, there's hundreds of them now, who, if they're not exposing the Jews directly, are getting mighty, mighty close, right? And so, yeah, when we put up a, a link on uh, Eurofolk Radio, Amazing Polly, 
who's been a video videographer, I guess is the best way. On uh, she was on YouTube, kicked off of YouTube. Now she's on BitChute. She finally, after about ten years, has finally done a video exposing the Jews. Okay, so uh, so people are beginning to address the issue, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the that's the root of the branches. All those tacticals of the evils that you fight against uh, government, whatever it is, but that's the root of the root of the problem. Yeah, yeah, where everything stems from. So yeah, yeah here's so this is uh, just I, I think they want to make a it's a political point because you also see when this one was what do you say they they started up with the what do you say miss uh, let's see the dates is very strange because this was. He got notified of this one year later after this uh, all was uh, open. Uh, so they were sitting on it like uh, they loaded up the cannon and then they waited, 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 and then boom. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they were waiting for uh, him to do something other than, <laughs> than post mildly anti-Jewish posts, right? Well, for one, one of them has a drawing of a very, very popular drawing of a really ugly Jew, stubbly hair, a gigantic nose, uh, you know, uh, rubbing his palms, you know, like he's got he's got something up his sleeve, and a little yarmulke on the back of his head, you know, a very common uh, drawing about the Jews. So he posted that, and uh, the the lawsuit uh, cites things like that. So yeah, yeah, okay, wow, uh, we we'll see. Uh, you know, Fritjof is not one to back down pretty easily. I think he's going to take it to court. It'll be interesting. Yeah. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, yeah, I think he will. So he will probably start some law. Yeah, how to try to defend this. So I think we can do a more more thoroughly show about this when when it when it comes more to yes. when it's closer to to happen. I think, and maybe also let Fritjof be on, and he can, or just you and me. But uh, yeah. So this is we we will follow up this, but this shows that in Sweden anyway, it's no real freedom of speech. This oh. is infringing of the freedom of speech. Well, we've had the case of Alison Chablow in uh, London. You know, we did several interviews with her. They threw her in jail just for making parody songs about the Jews, you know, making fun about Auschwitz, right, <laughs> and uh, things like that. And of course, there's this French comedian. Uh, he's not white. He's uh, some mixed race guy. He may even be an Arab, but he uh, ha- has been making fun of Jews. They've thrown him in prison. So it, if you're a popular person, and of course Kanye West here in America, right? Uh, by the way, and uh, you know that's what uh, Amazing Polly's video is about: the uh, Jews and COVID is the title of that post. If you want to look at that later. Anybody listening, that's a really good post where Amazing Polly simply exposes the the Jew hustlers and racketeers that control Hollywood. Anyway, uh, so that news is getting out. You know, we in Identity have been trying to get this kind of news out for what? Well, 100 years, starting with Henry Ford, because he's the one who began the Christian identity movement here in America anyway. So uh, we've known about this for over 100 years, but nobody listens, Michael. Nobody wants to hear it. No, that's kind of the sorry state of our people. They don't want to listen. They are backsliding and stubborn. Stubbornness. I mean, some animals can be stubble as hell, but but the white race. Who can you find something more stubborn than a white race? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't want to lose what we've got. 
for one thing, right? So uh, we don't want to make waves. But whatever happened to the Viking spirit, the, the pioneer spirit of America, right? Whatever happened to all that stuff? We got too, uh, too much money and too much uh, yeah. uh, mammon came in the way, I think. Right. When you got uh, have a house in Florida and it backs up to a neighborhood golf course, right? And you can shoot eight holes before breakfast. That's pretty comfortable, folks. It doesn't get more comfortable than that. And I've worked at places like that in Florida, <laughs> right? It's an incredible, you know, you get too comfortable, right? You know, fortunately, the Vikings never got that comfortable. The Scythians not get, never got that comfortable. And, uh, of course, the Anglo-Saxons never got that comfortable until it was time, you know, for us to settle down. Now, once we settle down, then we become lazy, not just comfortable, but lazy, right? And so that's the story of our race. Uh, yeah, uh, there, there, there's a, a saying that uh, when you're uh, when you're a slave, you want to be free, right? Once you get freedom, then you build a civilization. Once you have the civilization, then you get comfortable. Once you get too comfortable, you become a slave again. <laughs> the cycle repeats over and over. And here we are, folks. Yeah. So, uh, you want to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, the lawsuit? Because uh, you have the uh, document. I think I put the document in the chat room. But, yeah, I have. I have read it basically, and this is the document he has uh, okay. uh, received. I have. I have really no more information. I spoke to him uh, him yesterday about it. So he sent it. Okay. Um, so right now, I think we we have to wait a bit, maybe also on his. Uh, uh, what will what will be the next next move on this? But this is pretty uh, news. He got it, I think, yesterday something like this. So this is right. um, yeah, this is, this is new information also for for me. Also, I know that he has been contacted by the police, but now it's more official. And the and the the grade in the what do you say in the suspicion is is the lower end. So they are not in the they have only they have a lower grade in the suspicion level. Oh, okay. So he's just mildly suspected? Is that what yeah. <laughs> okay. Something like that. Well, exactly. yeah, if he ever gets put on the stand, then he'll be highly suspected, right? <laughs> right. Well, now, uh, in the vi- I did a couple videos with Fritjof that you arranged, and uh, we really didn't talk about the Jews in our videos much. We talked about the New World Order and the banking establishment, and he's very much opposed. He totally understands Mystery Babylon and uh, international bankers enslaving the world. He 100% understands that. And that's, I think that's the real reason they're coming after him is because the Rothschilds don't want to be exposed. No, and he, is, he has been a pretty, and he is not, uh, I believe, uh, and also he's genuine in the, in the works he's doing. So he is, he is not a controlled front. And the thing they don't can control, that they want to, Smash down at, I believe. This is also, he is not the control opposition in any way. No, so he's that not. Is also, I think that is also for him a way, a genuine sign for me. Otherwise, you have other people that can be very outspoken about this. Nothing happened to them. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, here, uh, any Jew can go on uh, television, radio, print, and say all kinds of hateful things about us, not get any uh, flack whatsoever. 
But if we complain about them, it's a completely different story. So, uh, folks, you know, we know this is uh, the reality. We're trying to wake everybody up to this reality. And slowly but surely, as the more people like Fritjof they prosecute, the more their friends and relatives and acquaintances say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, all he did was, he didn't even say anything bad about Jews. He didn't call them names. He's just talking about their banking activities. That's hate speech? Apparently it is, because you're exposing their, their Rothschild conspiracy. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, I have, I'm still having difficulty opening pages. And on... uh, we can, I can also uh, say in this regard, we have one other, we have a... Um, we have the same problem here as in America. The smaller farmers have a very hard time to get by because they get oh, yeah. harassed by the by the governmental agencies. So we have one called uh, Tom Lutmark, and he's a farmer in the middle of Sweden in a country called Småland, and he is one of those that has been harassed by the governments by by the what to say the the um, where they harass him. And yes. he also doing something called, it's in Swedish called Bondupruvret. It's like farmers uprising uh, because of all the, the the evils that is done. So he's an, what I understand, an ex and, and former officer in the Swedish army. and But he left that. So he is now 100% as a farmer. And he is also experiencing this mm-hmm. persecution. Right, right. So it's obvious that the... Uh... European Union, NATO, and the international banking establishment, uh, it's becoming pretty obvious to the farmers and uh, people who work for a living that these entities are against them and trying to take their businesses, but they don't yet realize that they want to kill them, (laughs) right? The New World Order wants to kill them. I think when they realize that, they'll say, wait a minute, all those conspiracy theorists were correct, right? So the worse things get, the more converts we make, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh Okay, so uh, I'm having difficulty getting into the – for some reason, my uh, browser – has changed formats, and I'm trying to navigate through the, the new format, and I think I, I, I understand now how this works. But uh, let's get into the, uh, the the great book, The Nameless War. Today should be the last episode, and we left off on page 103, where we were talking about, uh, or where Ramsey was talking about his personal relationship with Prime Minister Chamberlain, I'll just read uh, the last couple of paragraphs on page 103, and I'll turn it over to you. He says, uh, Others, however, are now free to state what they have known from the beginning, namely that Captain Ramsey was never at any time endeavoring to communicate with Germany. They're trying to accuse him of, of treason because this is what the Jews do. If you oppose war, or if you oppose their wars, they will call you a collaborator with the person you don't want war with, right? That's what they do, okay? They did it to Americans here. Roosevelt, FDR, did it to Americans here. Uh, even even people like the uh, great aviator, right, uh, who uh, went on uh, record saying, I don't want us to go to this war. And he actually named the Jews as being the ones who wanted war, the Jewish bankers. And uh, so... There was a trial and a persecution of people who are anti-war, without even naming the Jew, anti-war, they, they get called anti-Semites, Nazis, etc. 
Right? That's what happened to Ramsey. All right, so let's finish here. Uh, uh, So he was not endeavoring to communicate with Germany, but was trying to communicate certain information to the then Prime Minister, Mr. Chamberlain, uh, with Mr. Chamberlain was expecting, which Mr. Uh, Chamberlain was expecting, and which, because of Ramsey's arrest, never reached him. Something of this information later received uh, by Mr. Forrestal, and is disclosed in the Forrestal Diaries. That's at the bottom of page 103. Michael, you want to pick it up from there? Bottom of 103, it's 120, where Chamberlain comes in. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Chamberlain had become convinced and actually told Mr. Forrestal that powerful U.S. circles in New York were so responsible for maneuvering Britain uh, into the war, unsuspected by him at the time, although he was prime minister and ought to have been informed of what was going on. Um, The wedge uh, that was uh, driven between Mr. Chamberlain and Captain Ramsey was the lack, uh, the lockup and the abuse of the official secret acts, followed by the elaborate uh, disseminations of the complete fabrication by the House office that, quote, the said, uh, the said Captain uh, Archibald Mooley, Ramsey MP, had expressed his desire to cooperate <laughs> with, with the German government in the conquest and subsequent government of Great Britain. Later, um, the Lord Marley added further um, to this fabrication by s- stating in the House of Lords that he had um, it on good authority that Captain Ramsey had agreed to become um, Galator of Scotland under the German occupation of Great Britain. He ignored the challenge of Captain Ramsey's lawyer uh, to repeat the uh, charge outside of the house. Okay, so here again, the, 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 the total smear job against uh, Ramsey, who never attempted to contact any German official, but this is what he's accused of. Back to you. Yeah, as you said, they say hey, cooperate with German governments. It is complete lie. So this is now they lie to try to character assassinate him, I guess. Amen. Yes. So for 14 years, Lord Jowitt must have been well aware that Captain Ramsey was conducting an investigation in order to satisfy Mr. Chamberlain that there was documentary evidence for the facts already disclosed to him by Captain Ramsey and that Captain Ramsey's arrest was made to prevent the documentary evidence from being presented uh, to the Prime Minister. Oh, but, free, free job Capra. I mean, not Capra. <laughs> free job person, right? Same story all over again. Back to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. but it has um, taken all the years for Lord Jowett to concede that Captain Ramsey is an honest man who would never be um, countenanced uh, with uh, any act which he recognized as being against the interest of his country, end yeah. of quote. Amen, amen. But to uh, love your country more than you love the international Jewish establishment is a crime, right? That's a crime. Most people don't know they're breaking that crime, cons- uh, that so-called law constantly, but you have to be really careful. That's why you have to be savvy and understand who is really the power behind the throne okay so i'll pick it up on the next page beware the reader should avoid to avoid to download a copy of this book 
from Bible believers as it is severely truncated and heavily censored. Oh, okay, so I think it's talking about this book. So this is just stuff added by uh, the publisher. Yeah, it's the end of the book now. Yeah, yeah, but there's more. I think we we had come not so far because there are a lot of quotes here I think we didn't didn't read. Yeah, Uh, yeah, like I said, my, my, uh, okay, so... My uh, my computer is still jumping around, so uh, yeah, that was the very. We started with the appendices, and so yeah. We, but I think we were on page eighty three. Oh, really? Fact, was there okay. I some markings? Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll head it back. I'll head back over to you, and uh, yeah, you know, I can start reading okay. on page eighty three. Okay, I think here we left last time. All right, go for um, it. So. Uh, I was determined to make further efforts to convince Mr. Chamberlain and even perhaps the 1922 committee of the truth of my case, and thus I were total war and um, commenced reinforce the documentary evidence already in my possession. By January 1940, I had details of nearly 30 subversive societies working on various revolutionary and corrosive lines, and had completed um, a very large uh, chart showing the principal member of each. Um, six names stood out clearly as a sort of interlocking uh, directory. They were Professor uh, H. Lasky, Mr. Israel Moses uh, Steef, uh, Prof. Herman Levi, Mr. Victor uh, Golange, Mr. G. N. Pritt, MP, and Mr. G. R. Strauss, MP. Um, in February 1940, on my arrival in London, I was handed the literature of a new group who were advocating uh, Federal Union. The list of supporters' names was startling. It might have been copied from the chart I had just completed. This could uh, be no mistake as to the source of this scheme. Um, later, when this group became active, I put down the following questions. Captain Ramsey asked Prime Minister whether um, he could assure the House that... Uh, the creation of the Federal Union of the European States is not one of the war aims of H, uh, uh, HM's government. Mr. Butler, on May the 9th, gave no uh, committed re- reply. To this, I asked the following supplementary. Captain Ramsey, it is my right uh, on um, uh, friend aware that this plan, if adopted, will arouse hostility against us in almost the whole of Europe, who look upon it as the setting up uh, of a Judeo-Masonic <laughs> Really? Well, people were more aware of the Jewish question in those days than we are today. Back to you. I guess that is why you had the Second World War also. Yeah, that's right. Uh, note, the protocols of the elders of Zion makes it clear um, the world Jewry and Orient Masonry will set up just such a regime after the Gentile states have been reduced by war and revolution uh, to heavers of wood and drawers of water. Mr. Butler, I would rather leave my uh, on from interpretation of this plan to him. No comment. Uh, ver- <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Um, a brilliant uh, press campaign was now in full swing to suppress anti-Semitic view and activities by declaring that the anti-Semitism was pro-Nazi fearing. The home security might be inclined into this direction, which was a false direction. I asked him on May the 9th, 1940. Captain Ramsey, whether he will give an assurance 
uh, that care will be taken both in the administration of the present regulations and in framing a void. Hello? Uh, let's okay. see. Uh, whether will the assurance taken both administration of the present regulations and in uh, framing revised ones that uh, distinguishes made between anti-Semitism and pro-Nazism. Nazism, yeah. Of course. Anderson. Of course. Just the fact that you're opposed to a war or any war. I mean, the uh, anti-war movement in America didn't have that problem. Because why? Because it was created by the Jews <laughs> in the 1960s, right? So they didn't persecute those anti-war people as being, well, necessarily, what, pro-communist? At the time, they probably weren't. There were communist elements in it, right? But the uh, average college student that was protesting against the Vietnam War was just protesting against war, period. It didn't, uh, didn't mean that they were pro-communist, but that's the, that's the Jewish tactic, to always accuse us of things that we're not guilty of. Back to you. Yeah, or projecting the stuff they are on us. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sergey Anderson. I hope that any restrictive measures applied to organized propaganda may in practice be confined to such propaganda as is calculated to uh, impede the war effort. And from the point of view, I cannot recognize as relevant uh, the distinction which uh, my own and gallant um, friend seeks to draw. Okay. And over to you. Yeah, my honorable and gallant friends. So, again, you know, that's uh, uh, statesman talk, right? <laughs> Captain Ramsey replies, while thanking the by the right honorable friend for his reply, in view of the fact that he seems somewhat confused on this point, will he assure the House that he refuses to be stampeded into identifying the two things by a ramp in our Jew-ridden press. Now, I don't know what he means by ramp, but uh, uh, obviously they, they don't want to talk about the Jews, right? But he's, he's uh, bringing the issue up constantly. Sir Jay Anderson says, there is no question of my being stampeded into anything. <laughs> so nobody's going to push me around, he says. Uh, I, I'm sorry. If the Jew comes knocking at your door, threatening you with... Uh, assassination or uh, turning your life upside down and ruining your reputation, uh, you will. It was in the last weeks of Mr. Ch Chamberlain's premiership that I was enabled to look through some of the U.S. Embassy papers at Mr. Kent's flat. I believe that was Tyler Kent. I don't think his name was mentioned yet. Anyway, this when the position, with this then was the position, and these were the considerations which led me to inspect them. One, Together with many members of both Houses of Parliament, I was fully aware that among the agencies here and abroad which had been actively engaged in promoting bad feelings between Great Britain and Germany, organized Jewry, for obvious reasons, had played a leading part. Two, I knew the USA to be the headquarters of Jewry, and therefore the real, though not apparent, center of their activity. Three, I was aware that Federal Union was the complement and international affairs of the scheme of political and economic planning, PEP. The chairman of PEP is Mr. Israel Moses Seif, who is also vice chairman of the Zionist Federation and grand commander of the Order of Maccabeans. 
designed to bring about Bolshevism by stealth in the sphere of industry and commerce, and that it must be regarded as the superstate, which is one of the principal objectives of international Jewry. Now, I don't think he mentions the United Nations here. I guess this was too early, too much before the United Nations thrust by the Rothschilds, which is right after World War II as well. Uh, he doesn't talk about that, but obviously he's steeped in trying to make uh, British Britishers aware of you know this Jewish conspiracy. Four, I recognize that plans for establishing Marxist socialism under Jewish control in this country were far advanced. As to their intentions, there could be no doubt. Five, I knew that the technique of international Jewry is always to plan the overthrow at critical junctures of any national leader who seriously opposes some essential part of their designs, as, for instance, Mr. Chamberlain had done by adhering to his policy of pacification, and that this... In this case, Mr. Chamberlain's fall would precipitate total war. That was the plan. Number six, I remember that Mr. Lloyd George had said in the House of Commons that if we were let in, in for a war over Poland without the help of Russia, we should be walking into a trap. We walked into that trap. Over to you. Thank you. <clears throat> Further information as to its origin, designs, and ultimate objective will be have strengthening by Mr. Chamberlain's hand and would have enabled him to take the appropriate countermeasures. As a member of parliament still loyal to Mr. Chamberlain, I considered it my duty to investigate. About the 9th and 10th of the May, I went to Scotland for a four-night uh, four rest having seen only a part of the documents and intending to resume my investigations on my return. Before I could conclude them, however, Mr. Chamberlain had fallen from office and I was arrested a few days later on the steps of my house when I returned um, to London on 23rd of May 1940. I'm appealing the uh, particulars alliance as reasons for my detention and my comments therein. Signed, Sir Archibald Ramsey, Brixton Prison, August 23rd, 1943. So here we have particulars alleged for reasons for my detention. Yeah, alleged. The, the, alleged. the allegations against him, of course, are bogus, but these are the allegations. Here you go. Um, there follows here a copy of the particular which were al alleged uh, to be reasonable grounds for my detention for the last three years. Uh, it will be seen that the whole basis of every one of them is that my oppositions to communism, Bolshevism, and world jewelry was but a sham. Oh! Uh, huh. A disloyal ruse, in fact, adopted to make anti-British activities in relations to the war. So, so he's not a real anti-communist, he's just an actor! Right, we have a lot of those today in the media, right? Alex Jones, uh, there are so many of them. Donald Trump, <laughs> right? Actors, dozens, thousands of them. Back to you. Yeah, anyone um, conversant uh, with doing uh, in the House of Commons will be more or less familiar with the anti-Bolshevik activities that I have kept up openly and consistently, although my time in the House since 1931 and which, uh, which activities became anti-Jewish in 1938 when I realized that Bolshevism was Jewish and an uh -huh. integral part of their world plan. 
Um, the framer of this particular uh, brochure aside, the whole um, of the, the all eight years records and proceeds to fabricate and reiterate some new and disloyal purposes uh, for which slanders he offers no shred of sub, uh, substantiation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw you go into that strip joint, right? <laughs> or, or or you walked by, happened to walk by a strip joint accidentally. They took your picture in front of the strip joint, and then they uh, uh, published a series of articles about you that you went into the strip joint when you never did, right? This is they can just make things up. That's how it works, folks. All right, all right. Uh, uh, please continue. Finish that uh, whole section, and I'll pick up the next section. Yeah, so this was Home Office, Adversarial Committee, Defense Regulations 18B, London, WEI. And I don't read the telephone and all this. Yeah, that's... Um, uh, that was signed 24th of June, 1914. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, this, can, oh, this is during the war. Right. So this is why uh, he doesn't mention the United Nations, because the United Nations was formed right after the war. Back to you. Yeah. Reasons for order uh, made under def uh, Defense Regulations 18b in the case of Captain uh, Arch Archibald uh, Malu Ramsey, MP. And this is also something that happens during war, that the governments of the world always take more power right. during war as a reason that you see here. Yeah, right. Yeah, they suspend a writ of habeas corpus, which means you don't get a fair trial until the war is over, <laughs> right? And I don't think he ever got a fair trial, right? They just kept on smearing him for the rest of his life. But back to you. Yeah, or well, maybe a kangaroo. kangaroo oh, yeah. Tried. Right. Yeah. I guess a spectacle more. The Jew kangaroo. Yep. The order on the defense regulation 18B was made against Captain Archibald Mal Ramsey MP because the Secretary of State had reasonable cause to believe that uh, the said Captain Archibald Mal Ramsey MP had been recently concerned in acts prejudicial to the public safety or the defense of the realm or in the preparations or instigation of such acts and that by reasons thereof it is necessary to ex exercise control over him. Wow, right, yeah, okay. We got to shut him up. <laughs> All right, please continue. Yeah, and yeah. Particulars. Then said Captain Archibald Mal Ramsey, MP. Uh, one, in or about the month of May 1939, formed an organization under the name of the Right Club, which uh, ostensibly directed its activities against Jews, Freemasons, and Communists. This organization, in reality, was designed secretly to spread subversive and de uh, deficit views among the civil population of Great Britain, to obstruct the war effort of Great Britain, and thus to endanger public safety and the defense of the realm. Oh, so to prevent war, to honestly prevent war, was not an option <laughs> considered by the government here. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Okay, so if you get caught opposing the war efforts of the international Jew, be prepared to be smeared, okay? All right, I'll pick it up, uh, point number two. In furtherance of the real objects of the organization, the said Ramsey allowed the names of the members of the organization to be known only to himself. Why? Well, why do people who uh, go online criticizing the Jews 
why don't they use their real names or they just use their email addresses? And they, why do they all get P.O. boxes instead of giving their home addresses? Why do you think that is? Maybe they don't want Antifa throwing bricks through their windows? Okay. So this is the real reason here, folks. So, wow. Uh, so let's continue here. And stated that he had taken steps to mislead the police and the intelligence branch of the war office as to the real activities of the organization. Of course, no evidence to that effect is presented here. These steps were taken to prevent the real purposes of the organization. So let's say it's in a subversive organization. Uh, it was merely an anti-war group and trying to expose who was behind it. And that means that they're Nazis. Number three. Frequently expressed sympathy with the policy and aims of the German government and at times expressed his desire to cooperate with the German government in the conquest of the and subsequent government of Great Britain. So this is another false charge. He, there was no cooperation on his part with Germany. Four, after the formation of the organization made efforts on behalf of the organization to introduce members of the organization into the foreign office, the censorship, the intelligence branch of the war office, and government departments in order to further the real objects of the organization as set out hereof. How dare he inform people of the Jewish threat? Number five, after the outbreak of war associated with and made use of persons known to him to be active in opposition to the interests of the great of Great Britain, no, they are all anti-war people. Although there were, there were a lot of fascists in Britain, and they were all persecuted too. Among such persons were one Anna Wolkoff and one Tyler Kent, a coding officer employed at the Embassy of the United States of America. With knowledge of the activities in which Walkoff and Kent were engaged, he continued to associate with them and to make use of their activities on behalf of the Wright Club and of himself. Tyler Kent was exposing he had access to the uh, secret uh, you know, telegrams going between Roosevelt and Churchill. So, yeah, he, he was <laughs> he knew what was going on and he talked about it. Anyway, so... In particular, with knowledge that Kent had abstracted important documents, the property of the Embassy of the United States of America, he visited Kent's flat at 47 Gloucester Place, where many of the said documents were kept, and inspected them for his own purposes. Yeah, these revealed the conspiracy, documentation. He further de deposited, a lot of typos in this article, he further deposited with the said Kent the secret register of the members of the Wright Club, of which organization Kent had become an important member in order to try and keep the nature of the organization secret. Well, of course, you're in a war against the international Jew. Number six, permitted and authorized his wife to act on his behalf in associating with and making use of persons known to him to be active in opposing the interests of Great Britain. No, international Jewry. Among these persons were Anna Volkoff, Tyler Kent, and Mrs. Christabel Nicholson, Back to you on page ninety nine or eighty nine. So yes, I was I was yeah. just I was just reading from page eighty eight. That makes me a Nazi. Back to you. Um, particular uh, in or about the month of May nineteen thirty nine, former organization called the Right Club, which ostensibly directed its activities against Jews, Freemasons, and communists. This organization was secretly designed to spread subversive and defensive views among the civil population of Great Britain. 
to obstruct the war effort of Great Britain and thus to endanger public safety and the defense of the realm. I just see how they, what they say, use this as a kind of um, rubber paragraph to adjust in stuff that is not true. They use this as the reason that this is you are you are hampering the war effort that could be applied soon again in sure. this in this uh, with Ukraine and Russia. Right. Well, like I said, they they weren't ch- challenging the college students in America during the 1960s because they wanted those riots. They wanted that to go on, right? Uh, because Vietnam was their baby, right? The internationalists wanted Vietnam to destroy our culture. Back to you. Yeah. Reply. Uh, the formation of the right of S, the attached memorandum shows, was the logical outcome of many years of work against Bolshevism, carried on both inside and outside the House of Commons, and well known to all uh, my political colleagues since 1931. The main object of the right club was to oppose and expose the activities of organized jewelry in the light of the evidence which came into my possessions in 1938, some of which is given in the memorandum. Our first objective was to clear the conservative party of a Jewish influence. Ooh, and man, hard, tough task, right? Oh, but it's worth a try. Yeah, go ahead. And the character of our memberships and meetings was um, strictly in keeping with this objective. There were no other and um, secret purposes. Our hope was to avert war, which we considered to be the mainly the work of Jewish intrigue centered in New York. Later, I and many others hoped to turn the f- phony war into not total war, but an honorable, uh, negotiated peace. Negotiated, negotiated peace. Negotiated. Yeah, yeah. Ever, you know, that's not happening in Ukraine either, folks. <laughs> There's no negotiations taking place. Back to you, Michael. And it is difficult to imagine a body of persons less capable of being subverted. <laughs> right. We're just good, yeah. good guys. You know, ever chose? We're not doing anything wrong, right? But you're getting uh, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. And as this particular suggest, and coupling this charge with the charge uh, uh, of being the defest, uh, defeatist, defeatist, uh, uh, yes, uh, yeah. places this whole particular in the realm of the uh, ludicrous. What about all those self-hating Jews <laughs> that, that oppose the war too, right? They're defeatists. I mean, it's amazing the rhetoric they can get away with. But of course, the, the government and the newspapers don't challenge this rhetoric. And so they get away with it. Okay. Yeah. I'm hoping not so much longer, folks. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry this to interrupt. particular too. In further hands um, of the real object of the organization's the, um, the said Ramsey allowed the names of the members of the organization to be known only to himself and to great uh, precautions that the register of member did not leave his possessions or control and stated that he had taken steps to mislead the police and intelligence branches of the war office as to the real activities of the organization. These steps were taken to prevent the real purpose of the organization being known. Yeah, no, to protect themselves. That's the only reason. But of course, you know, uh, you're always accused, if you're doing something the government doesn't like, you're always accused of having nefarious purposes. The real objects of the right club being the declared objects and there being no other objects whatever, the latter part of this particular is pure fabrication. Of course, this is Mr. Ramsey's response. 
and there was only one respect in which our aims differed from the police and MI, namely the Jewish question. Neither the police nor the MI, I think uh, that's the military intelligence maybe, recognized the Jewish menace. Neither had any machinery for dealing with it or for withholding information from Jewish members of their personnel. If names of members of the club had been placed at the disposal of either of these departments, they would have been seized upon by the Jewish members therein and reported on to the very quarters from which many members wished them to be withheld. Okay. Well, do we have a right to protect ourselves from uh, undue prosecution? Of course we do. Of course. Yeah. Particular number three. Frequently expressed sympathy with the policy and aims of the German government and at times expressed his desire to cooperate with the German government in the conquest and subsequent government of Great Britain. Wow, what an accusation that is. Reply. The latter half of this particular is a fabrication so preposterous that I propose to treat it with the contempt it deserves. Lord Marley embroidered this fiction in the Lord's a few days after my arrest, insinuating that I had undertaken to be Goliter of Scotland, which I guess is some high-ranking position. My solicitors at once invited him to repeat his remarks outside. Needless to say, he did not do, do so, for there is not a shred of justification for either this particular or his slanders. The term, quote, sympathy with the policy and aims of the German government, unquote, is misleading to the verge of dishonesty. It suggests some general agreement or understanding. Nothing of the kind existed. End of page 90. Over to you. Um, I have never been to Germany and joined one formal luncheon at their embassy, known New New Germans. What little I had learned about the Nazi system did not appeal to me. I have never approved of the idea of uh, movements on distant similar lines being formed in Britain. On the contrary, I disapproved. Uh, my views was uh, the Unionist Party, once enlightened, was the body best suited to take the needful countermeasure to the Jewish plan, and that um, uh, to do so successfully. It did not even need to go outside the power latent in our constitution. In a general way, um, my views concerning German aspirations uh, coincide exactly um, with those expressed by Lord Lothian uh, in his speech at the Schaffan House on 29th of June 1937 when he said, quote, now, if the principle of self-determination were applied on behalf of Germany in the way in which it was applied against her, it will mean the re-entry of Austria into Germany, the union of the Sudetendeutsch, Danzig, and possibly Memmel with Germany, and certain adjustments with Poland in Silesia and the corridor, end of quote. The only aspect of the Nazi policy which... Uh, contracted it any special way with my views was the oppositions to the disruptive activities of organized world jury. No patriot British, French, German or any other nationality is justified in abandoning the defense of his country uh, to that onslaught once he has recognized its reality. To confuse sympathy on this, one 
um, and loyal point with sympathy uh, with the whole Nazi policy and aims is dishonest to develop this fallacy into a charge of um, uh, preferring uh, that system to our own and being prepared to force that system of which I disapprove upon my own co- country is the last word in infaming. Infamy, uh, right. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, Six. Uh, quote. Um, after the formation of organizations made efforts on behalf uh, of the organization to introduce members of the organization to foreign office, the censorship, the intelligence branch of the war office, the government departments in uh, orders to further the real object of organizations as set out in Hereof. Okay. End of quote. And his reply is on page 92. Again, we have here the fabrication of the wholly unjustifiable charge of a secret and disloyal purpose, already dealt with in particular one and my memorandum. In regard to the matter of members of the right club and government offices, I would say this. The object of the club being to spread as rapidly as possible the truth concerning the Jewish danger, time was always a vital factor. From the outset, we were in a race with the Jewish propagandists. To counter them in as many different spheres as possible was obviously the quickest method. Ten members in ten different spheres would spread our information more widely, more quickly, than ten members all in the same officer club. Every political group must follow these lines. This method is the common practice of all political parties. Yeah, the communists get away with this constantly, and nobody objects to them except those patriots, right? All right, so I never at any time made any effort to get any member or a job in any government office. If a member had a choice of two jobs and didn't mind which he or she took and asked me about it, I should clearly have replied that as far as the club was concerned, the sphere in which we had no member to preach the gospel was the one to choose. Yeah, infiltrate and subvert. Yeah, that's what the Jews do. For the knowledge to reach such places as the foreign office, war office, etc. was obviously to achieve the enlightenment of influential persons most rapidly of all. Particular number five. Quote, And this is the accusation here. After the outbreak of war associated with and made use of persons known by him to be active in opposition to the interests of Great Britain. So they they basically count anybody who's anti-war is now an opponent of the interests of Great Britain. Among such persons were one, Anna Walkoff, one, Tyler Kent, a coding officer employed at the embassy of the USA, with the knowledge of the activities in which Walkoff and Kent were engaged, he continued to associate with them and make use of their activities on behalf of the right club and of himself. In particular, with knowledge that Kent had abstracted important documents, the property of the embassy of the USA, he visited Kent's flat at Gloucester, etc., etc. We we all recorded this earlier. And go ahead and give his reply, Michael. Okay, you there? He might, he might be... Uh, ah, sorry. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah. So and, the reply then. Yes. I am never at any time of my life associated with persons whom I have known to be in oppositions to the interests of Britain. On the contrary, my whole record proves that I have devoted more time 
and trouble than most people to fighting just such persons. I certainly did, did not know and do not know uh, that either Mr. Kent or Miss uh, Wolkoff were engaged in activities calculated or likely to harm the interests of Britain. From my own accusations with them both and um, con- conversations I have had during that period, I know they both recognized activities of organized jury to be one of the most evil forces in uh, politics in general and one of the most dangerous to the interests of Britain in particular. All their actions will, ha- will have been directed to um, countering those powers and their designs and most certainly not do anything that might injure the interests of Britain. As for, my, as for myself, I should like to add here most um, empathetical in view of various uh, mandatious allegations on the subject that have since reached my care. My cars. Ears. The, it should be yeah, ears. ears. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Typos, you know, for me, that don't do English. This is. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. There's so many typos. Uh, yeah. But I have never, and, or, and of course, could never contemplate communicating information to enemy quarters. That's right. Having reasonable causes to believe that the Jewish international intrigues uh, to bring about the war radiated from New York and knowing. That activities were being carried on to sabotage Mr. Chamberlain's policy of pacification and to uh, bring about his overthrow. It was my obvious duty as a member of the parliament and one still loyal to, to Mr. Chamberlain to make any investigations I could. I deposited the red book of names of the right club members at Mr. Kent's flat for the period of my absence from London only. Yeah, so I guess he was, uh, I don't know when that happened, but, you know, he was arrested and in prison for three years, basically without a charge <laughs> or this fake charge, right? Okay, page 94. I had heard of several persons who had had their papers dealing with the same sort of subjects as mine ransacked by persons unknown in their absence. Yeah, well, here in America, you know, uh, Willis Cardo has had his offices burnt down three or four times, you know, the publisher of the Spotlight. As I have stated already, I had given explicit assurance of privacy to some of the persons whose names were entered therein. Had their names even come into the hands of the British secret police, uh, uh, personated, I don't know what that is, uh, personified as this force by the Jews, their attitude vis-a-vis the Jewish menace would have become known at once in the very quarters from which they were made a particular point of their being withheld, namely Jewish quarters. Political burglary is no new thing in this country when one is suspected of possessing information relating to the activities of organized jury. How about Watergate, folks? Lord Craigmile, when Lord of Appeal had this his whole house ransacked, Every drawer broken open and every paper searched without anything being stolen at a time when it was reasonable to suppose that his papers contained such matters. The chief lieutenant of police in Edinburgh declared at the time that it was a political burglary. The perpetrators were never traced. See the letter of Lord Craigenile, dated 6 July 1920, entitled Edinburgh and Freedom, published in the letters to Isabel. 
particular number six. Per, okay, so it's quoting the particular here. This is a brief one. I'll just read the whole thing. Permitted and authorized his wife to act on his behalf in association with and making use of persons known by him to be active in opposition to the interests of Great Britain. They're all Nazis. It's a Nazi secret club. Among whose those were Anna Walkoff, T. Tyler Kent, and Mrs. Christabel Nicholson. The reply is by Mr. Archibald Ramsey. There is no truth whatever in this particular, and I propose to treat it with the contempt it deserves. Needless to say, the Home Office Advisory Committee produced no evidence to support any of the slanders contained in any of the above particulars. Uh, I submit to the statement and the comments on the particulars, not for my own sake, but to enlighten the country. Yeah, that's why this book has been buried, folks. Back to you, Michael. Yes, so now this is then the conclusion. Um, okay. I submit um, this statement. Ah, you, you read that one, sorry. Yeah. Um, when things reach a stage wherein a Lord of Appeal, whose papers are uh, suspected of relating to the plans of organized jury, can be political uh, burglar. When a white paper contains a vital passage of Jewish world Bolshevism, can be immediately withdrawn yes. and reprinted, omitted the vital passages. When a leading British industrialist can be blackmailed by organized jury and uh, coerced into submissions by boycott, strikes, acts of sabotage and ar- arson. When a member of a parliament who is there to try to warn the country against the Members of organized jury and their helpmates. The only fifth column that really exists in this country is thereupon imprisoned for three years on false charges. When uh, these things can happen in Britain, then there must be surely be something wrong somewhere. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's wrong here in America too. And yeah. here too. And yep. we're in the West. Yep. Uh, at a time when Britain and the Empire were engaged in a life and death struggle, surely there can be no room for a, a foul teachings and activities which have which I have touched upon. While our sailors, soldiers and airmen were winning victories over the external enemies, surely it is the duty of every patriot to fight this internal enemy at home. Uh, the Prime Minister, in his uh, speech at the Mason House, stated that he had not become the king's first minister in order to um, preside over the liquidators of the British empires. There are more ways than one of encompassing the liquidation of the British empire today, and the natural leader who is determined to counter them all will not only need uh, the uh, utmost support of all patriots, but I believe it will be proven that his most formidable difficulties will... um, emanate from just uh, those very powers which I and others, members of the right club, have all along striven to oppose and expose. Right. Well, we can shout this until we're blue in the face as long as the Jews control mass media. Uh, you know, the, the truth will just trickle out, right? But trickle it must. And so we keep on hammering away at this truth that the, the Jews are the true menace of the world today, the true menace against Christianity, the true menace against freedom lovers everywhere, the true menace against our national constitutions, etc., etc. 
All right, Appendix One. Uh, it's in it's in uh, French here for some reason. The Statues of the Realm, twelve seventy five. I guess it's a uh, document written in French regarding Britain, Volume One, page two twenty one. Oh, here we go. The Statutes of Jewry. Usury forbidden to the Jews. For as much as the king hath seen that diverse evils and the disinheriting of good men of his land have happened by the usuries which the Jews have made in time past, and still do, folks, and that diverse sins have followed thereupon, albeit that he and his ancestors have received much benefit from the Jewish people in all times past, well, yeah, the king has, because the, they acted as, as his tax collectors and moneylenders and advisors, yes? Nevertheless, for the honor of God and the common benefit of the people the king hath ordained and established, that from henceforth no Jew shall lend anything at usury either upon land or upon rent or upon any other thing. That is essentially biblical. (laughs) That's the biblical teaching on usury. Next, distress for Jews. And that the distress for debts due unto the Jews from henceforth shall not be so grievous, but that the moiety of lands and chattels of the Christians shall remain for their maintenance. In other words, the Jews can't confiscate their uh, property uh, to make good on the debt, and that no distress shall be made for Jewry debt upon their the heir of the debtor named of in the Jews' deed, nor upon any other person holding the land that was the debtor's before that the debt be put in suit and allowed in court. In other words, the, the whole Jewish operation, uh, getting people in debt and foreclosing on their property, has been overthrown by said king, valuing lands taken for a Jew's debt. And if the sheriff or other bailiff by the king's command hath to give Sazen, that is possession, to a Jew, be it one or more for their debt, the chattels shall be valued by the oaths of good men and be delivered to the Jew or Jews or to their proxy to the amount of the debt. And if the chattels be not sufficient, the land shall be extended by the same oath before the delivery of the Sazen, or that is the possession, to the Jew or Jews, to each in his due proportion, so that it may be certainly known that the debt is quit and the Christian may have his land again, saving always to the Christian the moiety of his land and chattels for his maintenance as aforesaid and the chief mansion. So, in other words, he won't be thrown out of house and home. You'll have a place to live, <laughs> right? The Jew can't take that from you. No, and they will. How many times throughout history, Michael, have they done this? Oh, to, so right? many times. Pump yeah. and dump. Yes, yes. Okay. All right, back to you. Uh, warranty to Jews. And if any movable hereafter be found in possession of a Jew, and any man shall sue him, the Jew shall be allowed his warranty if he may have it. And if not, let him answer the, therefore, so that he be not therein otherwise privileged than a Christian. Um, abode of Jews. And that all Jews shall dwell in the king's own cities and uh, Boroth, where the 
um, chestest of the sherograph of Jews are wont to be their badge and that each Jew after he shall be seven years old shall wear a badge on his outer garment that is to say in the form of two uh, tables joined of yellow felt of the length of six inch and of the uh, breadth of three inch oh no wait a minute wait a minute you mean the Nazis weren't the first ones to tell the Jews to wear a yellow armband? <laughs> or a badge, right? And this it, was for France. Yeah. Uh, was this something Charlemagne kind of started? Well, may, maybe. Well, I mean, Charlemagne f- uh, forbade usury in the Holy Roman Empire, but the Jews kept doing it anyway, and nobody stopped them, certainly not the Catholic Church. Back to you. Yeah, their tax. And that each one, after he shall be twelve years old, pay three pence yearly uh, at Easter of tax to the king, whose bondman he is. And this shall hold place as well for a woman and for a man. Okay, so were these uh, these teenage Jews already practicing money lending? <laughs> they, 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 don't even, they don't even wait till they're twenty-one. All right, back to you. This is incredible conveyance of land, etc., by Jews, and that new Jews um, shall have the power to, um, in theft, take possession of another, um, uh, whether Jew or Christians, uh, of houses, rents, or uh, tenements that he now hath, nor t- uh, to alien in any other manner, nor to make acquaintance to any Christians of his depth without the special license of the king, until the king shall have otherwise uh, ordained therein. Privilege of the Jews. And for uh, for as much as it is the will and sufferance of holy church, that they may live and be preserved, the king taketh them under his protection and uh, garneth them his peace, and willeth that they be um, safely preserved and defended by his sheriffs, and other bailiff, and by his le- uh, league name, and commanded that none shall do them harm, or damage, or wrong in their bodies, or in their goods, movable or immovable, and they shall neither plead, nor be impleaded in, in, in any count, uh, court, nor be challenged, or, or troubled in any court, except in the court of the king, whose bondmen they are, and that none shall owe obedience or service or rent except to the king or his uh, bailiff in his name, unless it be for their dwelling, which they now hold by uh, paying rent, saving the right of the holy church. Okay, so I believe this document was uh, in 1620. And uh, so this uh, was uh, well after the uh, proclamation throwing the Jews out of Britain, and I forget uh, which king did that. So, and we know that it, uh, the Jews got back into Britain w- with the help of Cromwell. So this has been an ongoing issue in Britain, you know, from time immemorial. The Jews get in, the Jews get thrown out, they come back in, they get thrown out again, and we know that the Jews have been thrown out of virtually every European country and city-state since uh, 2000 or you know, 2,000 years ago. 
And yet, hardly one Christian knows about these things. How is it possible that all of this history has been totally covered up? Yeah, How, and that's yeah. the problem. We don't learn from history. No, we don't. No, because the Jews rewrite it for us. <laughs> and it, oh, the only thing that matters in history is the Holocaust. That's the only thing. All right. So, page 98, intercourse between Jews and Christians. So they're trying to legislate how Jews and Christians can interrelate. But if they're, if the Jews aren't allowed to lend money, then they have no purpose in life, <laughs> right? So they will simply, you know, are they all going to be uh, opening pawn shops? No, they'll leave Britain so they can practice their favorite art, right? Anyway, it says here, And the king granteth unto them that they may gain their living by lawful merchandise, and, uh, yeah, be merchandisers, merchants, etc., but you can't practice usury anymore. And their labor... And that, what labor? They don't uh, cutting diamonds, <laughs> and that they may have intercourse with Christians in order to carry on lawful trade by selling and buying, but that no Christian for this cause or any other shall dwell among them. That's good. That's very smart. And the king willeth that they shall not, by reason of their merchandise, be put to lot and soot, nor in taxes with the men of the cities and boroughs where they abide. Again, the Jews abide in the cities. They're not farmers. They never have been. For that they are taxable to the king and his bondmen and to none other but the king, holding houses and farms. Moreover, the king granteth unto them that they may buy houses and castellages, I guess it's the castle and the grounds, in the cities and boroughs where they abide, so that they hold them in chief of the king. So in other words, He's still giving the Jews his protection, saving unto the lords of the fee their services due and accustomed. Yeah, so the king can still collect taxes from them, and that they may take and buy farms or land for the term of ten years or less without taking homages or fealties or such sort of obedience from Christians, and without having advowsons of churches, and that they may be able to gain their living in the world if they have not the means of trading or cannot labor. And this license to take land to farm shall endure to them for 15 years from this time forward. Well, we know that the Jews aren't going to farm the land, but they will hire Christians to do that, right? And so they'll have to pay the Christians to do that. Note, the parliament which passed this statute, this is Ramsey speaking again, the parliament which passed this statute included representatives of the commons, And this was probably the first statute in the enactment of which the commons had any part. That's very interesting. It is significant that the first evidence of the feelings and wishes of the commoners should have expressed itself in such a form as in these statutes of Jewry. In face of the fact, clearly evident in the script, that the kings owed much to Jewish activities, having demanded monies from the Jews regularly, and permitted them in turn to recoup themselves from the people. And that's the end of page 98. I have to interject here, Michael, that this is exactly the same situation that obtained in Palestine when Jesus walked the earth 
because what you had was the Jews were middlemen between Rome and the people of Judea, right? They were the uh, usurers, moneylenders, uh, overlords over the people. They were the go-betweens between Rome and the people who lived there, mainly Judahites. And the same relationship existed. The, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin had the protection of Rome to go and collect taxes for Rome. Most of the people really didn't understand that that was the case. But here in Eng- England, the people knew that was the case, right? Because the king had allowed the Jews to practice usury against the wishes of the people and for their detriment. So the people understood this. And there were still some Judahites in Judea who understood this as well. But there was nothing they could do about it because the Roman army would enforce uh, whatever activities the Sanhedrin was engaged in. We have the same situation today, folks. In America, it's called the Rhinocrats, the Republicans and the Democrats who rule over us thanks to Jewish money. Back to you, Michael. Yes, so... Uh, now we're coming into Appendix 2, uh, the Jews in Britain. So I first read the year and then the, then the activity. Yeah, okay. So I was wondering when the statutes of Jewry were actually enacted. So the, the Magna Carta was 1215. Yeah, All right. that's yeah. the first instance. Yeah. yeah. And so then 1255, we have Richard Murdoch of St. Hugh of Lincoln. Henry III personally ordered trial uh, and 18 culprits were executed. All Jews. Um, 1275. The statute of Jewry passed, confined Jews to certain areas, forbade usury to them, and also ownership of land and con- contact with the people, compelled them to wear a yellow badge. Okay, so yeah, so the uh, statutes of Jewry were passed 60 years after Magna Carta. Very good. Yes, and. Um, 1290, Edward I banished the Jews from England. Ah, that's when they were banned. Okay. Um, 1657, Ulrich Cromwell, having been financed by uh, Manish Ben Israel and Moses uh, Carvial, uh, allows Jews to return to England, though orders of banishment never um, re rescinded. Um, what's the, what is it the word? Yeah, rescinded. Never... Rescinded. To rescind yeah. is to undo. Yeah. Are undo by Parliament. 1689, uh, Amsterdam Jews financed the rebellion against King James II. The chief of these, Solomon Medina, follows William of Orange to England. 1694, the Bank of England set up and the National Debt Institute, securing for the Jews uh, money, uh, money lenders. Uh, a first charge on the taxes of England for interest on their loans, the right to print money transferred from the crown to its Bank of England. Amazing. 1707, economic and political union forced upon Scotland against the vote of every country and uh, broth. The national debt forced upon Scotland and the royal mint in Edinburgh suppressed. Yeah, every county and borough, I don't know what a borough consists of in Britain, but, for example, New York City is composed of five boroughs, right, which is uh, subsets of the city. So uh, I'm not sure what that means in Britain. But uh, let's continue. We're almost done with this book, Appendix 3. And Like I said, this will be the final chapter we do 
from this book. Again, we can't recommend this book highly enough. Famous Men on the Jews. Seneca. If you would like. Yeah. <laughs> Seneca, B.C. 4 to 5 A.D. Quote, The customs of this accursed people, having grown so strong that they have spread through every land. And here I have to issue a clarification because the Judahites who had left Judea because of all the wars and infighting and revolutions and settled in the Greco-Roman world, these were not moneylenders. They simply wanted to practice their religion you know, away from all the violence of Judea. So a lot of these settled in Rome. And these were not the moneylenders that uh, that he is talking, that Seneca is talking about here. He's talking about the Edomite Judeans that and, and their relations from Babylon, who were the real moneylenders, and established the moneylending in, in Judea, that uh, Jesus Christ took a whip and drove them out, right? These are not the same Judahites. These are Edomite Jews that Seneca is talking about here. Continuing. St. Justin, 116 AD, quote, The Jews were behind all the persecutions of the Christians. They wandered through the country everywhere, hating and undermining the Christian faith. And of course, as moneylenders, they would have uh, the ear of the leadership of Rome. Poppea, uh, uh, Nero's wife, was actually an agent of the Jews, and instigated the persecution of Christians by by Nero. Mohammed 570, quote, It is incomprehensible to me why one has not long ago expelled these death-breathing beasts. Are these Jews anything else but devourers of men? You got that right. Martin Luther 1483, How the Jews love the book of Esther, although it's not even about them which is so suitable to their... Uh, Haman was an Amalekite. He was an Edomite Jew. Let me start over. How the Jews love the book of Esther, which is so suitable to their bloodthirsty, revengeful, murderous appetite and hope. The sum has never shown on such a bloodthirsty and vindictive people who cherish the idea of murdering and strangling the heathen. No other men under the sun are more greedy than they have been and always will be, as one can see from their accursed usury. They console themselves that when their Messiah comes, he will collect all the gold and silver in the world and divide it among the Jews. No, the the Rothschilds are going to keep it for themselves. You little Jews aren't going to get any of that. Clement VIII, Pope 1592, quote, All the world suffers from the usury of the Jews, their monopolies and deceit. They have brought many unfortunate peoples into a state of poverty, especially farmers, working class people, and the very poor. Voltaire, 1694, quote, The Jews are nothing but an ignorant and barbaric people, which have for a long time combined the most loathsome avarice with the most abominable superstition and inextinguishable hatred of all peoples by whom they are tolerated and through whom they are enriched. Boy, did he figure them out? Oh, yeah. Okay. Page 101. Yeah. Um, I decided to improve the Jews, but I do not (laughs) want any more of them in my (coughs) kingdom. 
Indeed, I have done all to prove my scorn of the vilest nation in the world. There you, there you go. Yep, he knew him too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, let, let me let me just yeah let me just interject here. Uh, when he says, "I decided to improve the Jews," he called a council of the Great Sanhedrin, and in fact, he invited all the rabbis of the known European world, and maybe some outside of Europe, to have a conference at his invitation. And then he put the question to them: "Will you Jews assimilate to the rest of Europe?" And when they said, no, we won't, <laughs> you know, he was expecting them to say yes. When they said, no, we won't, we won't assimilate. Go to hell, Napoleon. That made him very angry. That's what he's talking about here when he says, I decided to improve the Jews, but they did, they refused. Back to you. And he said, but I do not want any more of them in my kingdom. There you go. Yeah. And he refers to his... As a kingdom, he was not an what is emperor. He saw us as a kingdom. Yeah, right. Well, he he became the emperor. Yeah, so he a virtual king of France, right? Yeah. So here we have Benjamin Franklin, seventeen eighty nine, statement in the convention concerning Jewish immigrants. Quote: There is a great danger for the United States of America. This great danger is the Jew, gentlemen. In every land which Jews have settled, they have depressed the normal level and lowered the degree of um, commercial honesty. They have remained apart and unsimulated. They have created a state within a state, and when they are opposed, they attempt to strangle the nation financially, as in the case of Portugal and Spain. For more than 700 years, um, they have lamented their sorrowful fate, namely uh, that they were driven out of their motherland by gentlemen. If the civilized world today should give them back Palestine and their property, they would immediately find pressing reasons for not returning there. Yeah. Why? Because they are vampires. They cannot live among themselves. They must live among Christians and others who do not belong to their race. Um, if they are not excluded from the United States by the Constitution within less than 100 years, they will... Um, <laughs> Uh, steam into this country in such numbers, they will rule and destroy us and change our form of government, uh, for which we Americans shed our bloods and sacrifice life, property and personal freedom. If the Jews are not excluded within 200 years, our children will be working in the fields to feed the Jews while they remain in the counting house and uh, gleefully rubbing their hands. Right? Yeah, just like that... Uh... Uh, image we talked about earlier that <laughs> preacher person was circulating right that that uh, meme about Jews you know uh, the counting house Jews rubbing their hands gleefully counting their money. Um, uh, I warn gentlemen, if you do not <laughs> exclude the Jews forever, your children's children will curse you in your graves. The ideas are not those of Americans, even when they have lived among us. For ten generations, the leopard cannot change its spot. The Jews are a dangerous to this land. If they are allowed to enter, they will imperil our institutions. They should be excluded by the Constitution. End of quote. Yeah, now, this is a comment at the bottom here. Yeah, yeah, this is the uh, publisher's comment, uh, which, which says, As far as we know, this is a hoax. B. Franklin never uttered these words. Arr. But no, he actually did. The, these are, words are recorded 
by the actual secretary of the you know constitutional committee uh his name escapes me at the moment uh but uh he uh he was uh, the secretary the official secretary of the constitutional convention and he published a book about it and uh, d- these words are contained in that book okay all right so wh- how much time we only have like 3 minutes left so yeah, uh, actually we done. yeah we're down uh, actually less than 2 minutes so I'll just re- read this one section here. Are you aware that Mr. Chamberlain was burnt in effigy in Moscow? <laughs> so who really hates Great Britain, folks? Nationalists? Yeah. yeah. No, not nationalists. They yeah. don't hate their nation. No. It's the same, the, same, the same one that always hates hate our nations and want to dissolve it. It's international jury. Yes, yes. And also uh, uh, General George Washington, when he... Uh, Took uh, the general. Oh, not Mountbatten. Uh, I'm trying to. Uh, I've got a, got it totally mixed up. That the uh, the general who surrendered to Washington stated. Not Wellington. No, 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 no. <laughs> different eras, different countries, right? And uh, somebody in the chat room helped me. Who was the uh, yellow bellies, right, Paul? <laughs> who was the uh, general that surrendered to Washington? Yeah. Cornwallis, thank you, Cornwallis. General Cornwallis told Washington that uh, this war is not over. Within 200 years, your country will become Jewish, (laughs) right? That's what Cornwallis said to General Washington, and that was recorded in in another book, and it was exposed by, uh, not General, but Senator Joseph R. McCarthy, uh, in in print, so this is another reason why the Jews hated McCarthy, right? So anyway, uh, this is the true history, folks. The suppressed history of World War II, and of course, all of the suppressed history of how the Jews have destroyed nation after nation after nation by staging revolutions and wars, folks. This is the reality that in which we live. We've got to put an end to it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for helping me narrate, Michael, and see you all later today. And have a good, a Jew-free day, a Jew-free week. And may we all be free of uh, Jewish usury very, very soon. Come quickly, Jesus, and liberate us from all this enslavement that we're under right now. Thank you for listening. Praise Yahweh. Yahweh bless everybody. Take care. Bye, Michael. And goodbye for now, everybody. Yahweh bless you all. Yahweh bless.